0: Good day, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at sons of libertymedia.com, and for Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah you about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you would like to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of the radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com and there you're going to see two videos at the top of the page. The one on the left side is an educational video from Bradley. Uh, This was years ago, Um, Dunkerton and uh, the presentation that he had there. So if you want to catch that, you can do so up until 3 o'clock. Some people have asked, where's Bradley? I know he was having some trouble sleeping. One The other night, he didn't sleep at all, I don't think. And so I don't know if he's not feeling good. I don't know if he's still working on the book. Uh, even if he isn't feeling good, he's going to be doing something. So don't worry. If he's there today at 3, he's there at, their day at 3, I don't think there's any life-endangering things um, that's going on. So don't worry. Um, he'll be around. <laughs> uh, it'll either be He'll be live at 3, there'll be an education video, but he'll, he'll be back, I, I'm, I'm sure uh, that that's the case. But some people have asked for that, so just want to give you a quick update on that. On the right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button, blow it up on whatever device you got there, look for the Rumble icon, bottom right-hand corner, uh, click on that, you'll join us in the chat on Rumble. A lot of friends over there this morning, great to see you guys, and... Um, <clears throat> While you're over there, please subscribe to that channel, Sons of Liberty Radio Live, Sons of Liberty Radio Live on Rumble, and then also on BeforeIt'sNews.com. We're streaming live there at the top of that page as well. appreciate Mike and his team giving us a spot on that site as well. Uh, Back to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com on the right side of the page under where we're streaming live. If you scroll down, you'll see that there is a place where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Please do that. Help us out. Uh, we are being censored, even in the email department. I mean, I got a thing from the other the guy the other day that we send our emails out. Now we've got a company, you know, slapping uh, censorship on it. All of our our emails are like double authenticated, so I don't I don't know what this issue is about spam and people reporting spam. Maybe they sign up just so they can report that we're spamming. I don't know, uh, but we got to sort that out. Now we have companies that just take it upon themselves to just stop your emails going through wherever they want to stop them. This is what we're dealing with. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Anyway, that's sonsoflibertymedia.com. Also, uh, keep in mind that our store is available. Now, our store doesn't really fund the ministry. It gives you tools to educate you, uh, conversation starters, stuff like that. T-shirts, hats, uh, coffee mugs, all that stuff. And my understanding from Bradley is that most of the time, you know, it's it's a it's a wash or we lose money on that. And that's that's fine, because the whole point is not the money. The point is the message, right? That's what we're here to do, is to give the message. And we're going to give a message today that's in stark contrast to what people saw at Super Bowl. Now, I, I struggled with whether I'm going to even play some of this stuff in a minute, but I said, I'm going to go ahead and do it, because we're going to address an issue that's happening, at, or this, a message that's being presented in the culture. Before I do that, there's the store is available. And I was talking about that. This we're highlighting now. All the profits are pointing to the front. This is Bradley's latest book, ten dollars in the store. And um, yeah, you you want to check that out? Ten dollars in our store. You can get there from the link off of suns of liberty dot com, and also going to the sons of liberty. Don't forget the the sons of liberty squarespace dot com. Uh, it's in there. Also, Soldier of the Cross is still in there, $10 as well. And then we have the bundle pack for Soldier of the Cross, which is the book, a t-shirt of your size, and the dog tag, your color, silver or black, starting at $34. So be sure and check those things out, okay? But here's the thing. We we have... Um, so Before I get into this, let me just get a couple of things off my chest here. As far as news items, you'll probably see these at, um, you know, we'll, we'll probably reinforce these over at sons of liberty because I've had them up and I wanted to get them. But these are a couple of, uh, of the headlines that I came across yesterday. And then we're going to get into this issue of this Super Bowl ad with the foot washing thing. Okay. Uh, I got a history on that. You, you, yeah. I got a history on that. Uh, this is this comes from uh, the vaccine reaction.org. Uh, Suzanne Hamner, we had her on the other day. Uh, she's in the chat this morning. She had put together the combination of her articles at com on informed consent. That should be available almost any day now. I think she said around the 17th or so. Uh, she has put it up for an ebook on Amazon. Yeah, I know it's a devil's tool, but, you know, we're going to go in the devil's turf. I mean, I don't know what people are scared about. What did the people go into in Canaan? Did they go on the devil's turf in Canaan? Yeah, they did. He was running rampant there among the people. In fact, Jesus, uh, the God told them, he said, I'm driving the people out before you in Canaan because they're doing the things I'm telling you not to do. He was running rampant there. Did they back off and say, well, wait a minute, that's the devil's tool. That's the devil's land. I, I know you said that you were given us. By the way, see, this is the same mindset. What did Jesus tell us? What, what, what did he tell us? I mean, what were we told? We'll inherit the earth, not a postage stamp piece of land in the Middle East. the The earth. What did the Old Testament say about the Christ? That his inheritance would be what? The heathen, the nations, right? <sighs> when are we gonna get it? That our battle is offensive. Our battle is offensive. We're not standing in defense, although that's what the large part of the American church has been doing these days, standing in defense. No, 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 no. We're offense, folks. The Christian life is that of an offensive battle. It's one against our own sin, and it's about the sin that we see in the world, and so we call it out, and we disciple people to come away from sin, to stop sinning. And that's going to be a key when we address this foot washing stuff, okay? Because that's the message that's left out of there. And it's left out on their website, too. I'm going to show you that in just a little bit. But this one one ties in with what we had Suzanne on, on for. FDA removes informed consent protections from some human clinical trials. I like them apples. Why are they doing that? Why is the FDA doing it? Because they're corrupt. They're lawless to begin with. We never authorized them to be in existence in the first place. So they're lawless at the start. Okay, And because the American people have not demanded that they be completely eliminated because they think they're for their health and safety, don't you? Don't you, Americans? You think government has your best interests at heart, especially the FDA, who's been shown to be just as criminal, crooked, corrupt as they can be. I mean, the heads of the FDA always go to work for the big pharma. Always. That's what they're doing. So in any case, here it is. They, 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 they want to remove informed consent protections from the people who are doing the tryouts of this stuff now. Why do you think they want to do that? Well, I can say we probably know that from the documents that were dumped by the FDA concerning the Pfizer trials. They knew it was killing people. They knew it was injuring people. The Mockingbird Media won't tell you this. They want to shut people up like me and other people. Uh, across a number of platforms, they want to shut us up and say, oh, you're a bunch of quacks, you're a bunch of kooks, you you got fake news, then they get their fake news veterans from CNN to write pieces about how we're fake news, but they that you can trust them. What What is CNN? The least trusted name in news? Yes, it is. They fabricated... Look, how many of you guys remember the story that they had out... Gosh, I want to say it was probably in the 80s or the 90s. Remember when they did... A, uh, a story, and I think it was on Russia. I think it was on Russia. They completely fabricated the whole story. None of what they said existed. It didn't happen. And they got caught, busted, and people are still watching CNN. They're still playing it at the airports all over the world. They don't ca- The people of the world don't care. They love their lies. They love the lies. They love death. And that's what they surround themselves with, is lies and death. And they're more than happy to give it to them. This is another one dealing with, uh, you know, again, you guys who think that voting is the answer, you can't wait to get into November and vote for Donald Trump, even though you know they stole the election the last time, cheating with voter fraud. Here's a new one. Atlantic City ballot stuffer reportedly worked for the feds. Does the FBI have ballot stuffers on the payroll? Uh, Craig Calloway is the guy. Uh, Gateway Pundit had it. He's out of Atlantic City, New Jersey. He uh, recently was indicted for procuring, casting, and tabulating fraudulent ballots. I, I thought the Mockingbird media told us there was no voter fraud going on. I thought there was nothing to worry about about the system. I thought everything was just peachy keen. Apparently not. Apparently not. And not only do you got guys who want their team to win, the feds are paying them to do it. Just, and I'm not surprised with that. They're using our money to do it, they're using our money to destroy us. And we're just letting them do it. We're letting them do it. What in the world? This one right here, wow, died suddenly. Liters of blood burst from man's face mid-flight. Hmm. I mean, wow. <laughs> Look at this guy, and you can see the picture. Um, hmm. What do you think? Somebody unleash Ebola, or... This is the guy, did he take the shots? I mean, I... I don't know. It's absolutely incredible, some of the stuff that goes on. Okay, so now to the main thing. The the foot washing stuff. So uh, for those of you who have not seen it, and I know you guys are on the radio, you will not be able to see anything, but maybe you've seen it. I I don't know. You know, these things kind of go viral. Um, It's like all these Super Bowl commercials. They pay ridiculous amounts of money for these things. Uh, It's absolutely incredible. Um, but this one is <clears throat> put out by and there's a there was there's a website here hegetsus.com okay and the he is supposed to be the Jesus of the Bible it's not but we're we're going to see some of this stuff as we go through here okay this is the video now you guys on the radio if you haven't seen it you're just going to hear music okay they're gonna, they play music and um, what happens is there's this artist and she's done all of these pictures, and they're well done pictures. Um, I'll give her credit for where, what she did there. But <clears throat> it's all of these different people washing different people's feet. And so you start out in the home. It looks. It looks to me like this guy. Uh, just show you guys. It looks to me like this guy's probably like a son to a father. Maybe he's been a, a prodigal son, and he's coming home. And now he's washing dad's feet. Right. And then you'll see there's a lady outside an abortion clinic getting her feet washed. Um, there's a lady. There's somebody else that probably looks like they're part of the LGBTQ. They got, like, red hair. I'm just saying that's what it looks like. I'm not saying that's what it is, but that's just my perception of it. Uh, they're getting their feet washed, and then you've got a fireman washing somebody's feet and somebody else washing somebody's foot and stuff like that. And I'll get to the gist of where this comes from. And why why it's really problematic on the surface, most of you can probably figure it out. It's pretty basic, but here here it is. This is with the music, and um, so we've got a policeman washing a gang member, and then we got this one going on here. I, again, I don't know if that's what that is. Here's a guy washing an Indian's foot. Uh, here's the the one where the lady's washing the girl with the abortion clinic here's a mom who's probably an alcoholic and her daughter's doing it uh you got a man doing this for what looks like a maybe an illegal alien coming across or something in the bus we've got a somebody washing a muslim woman's feet and we got uh you know people protesters watching each other's feet a black and a white man just sticking their feet in the tub together <laughs> then we got another guy washing it. Ooh, that's really loud sorry about that guys I don't know why they have to like crank that noise up. I mean, I've got the volume turned all the way down. So he, Jesus didn't hate. <laughs> Jesus didn't hate. What? What? Is, let me let me go back through here uh, and just back that up a little bit. Uh, I didn't have it backed up enough. All right. <clears throat> so let me um, let me get this going, and I just want to back up to what he says, um, and I want to. Let's see if we can go here. All right, so here's the thing. Jesus didn't teach hate. This is how it ends for you guys on the radio. Jesus didn't teach hate. He washed feet. He gets us, all of us, Jesus, He gets us.com. and then they have their, their little thing on there, okay? So understand what the message is. <clears throat> the message is an all-inclusive message. That's what it is. The gospel message is exclusive. It is for those who believe. It is for those who repent. It is for those who see the Savior from sin and embrace Him and follow Him. And I'm going to show you that from the Scripture. Okay? But this washing concept is not something new. Um, obviously in the Old, uh, excuse me, in the New Testament, we read about foot washing. We're going to read a particular passage here uh, about Jesus doing foot washing. But what was foot washing? What was the purpose of it? Well, the purpose of foot washing, we don't have that today in our culture. And in most of the cultures, you see these, these pictures of these people. In fact, it would be very awkward To have your foot feet washed in this culture. And I'm talking about the American culture. Wherever you're at, you probably have the same thing. Okay? It's it's weird to have somebody wash your feet. Why? Because you don't need it. You, 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 You take a shower in the morning, you go to work, come home, you do all your stuff. You might take another shower. You're perfectly capable of washing yourself, and you're not walking in sandals on dirty streets with dirt and horse dung and everything else all over the the streets. So you have no need to wash those feet in the same manner that they did in in these days. In fact, the, the servant of the house, who was the lowest one, he's like the new guy on the block, right? Lowest on the totem pole. That's the guy that got the duty of washing feet. That's the guy who got to wash the feet. It was a very humbling experience for obvious reasons of all of the crud that I just mentioned, plus probably other things, over these people's feet. And if you've witnessed any people's feet, especially nowadays, um, just handling feet ain't the greatest thing. Right? Just handling the feet is not uh, not the greatest thing. I experienced this one time. <clears throat> as I told as I've told you before, I went to a my dad put me in a Free Will Baptist uh, Christian Academy in junior high. And they had this and they <clears throat> and, and see this is where this is this is why doctrine does matter. Uh, because free will Baptists hold to Arminianism, and some of them hold to even Pelagianism, where you say, well, what's the difference in those things? Well, we talked about Arminianism before. That's the thing where man can somehow, you know, work with God to save himself synergistically. They're working together. Instead of a monergistic approach where the man, the preacher, preaches the word of God, and the spirit of God makes the person come alive to that word, uh, he, he regenerates them, he gives them new birth, he grants them faith and repentance, Okay. But these guys, what? and the Pelagianism is one that says, oh, we don't have original sin. We're not sinners from the start. We're not in Adam. We're a clean slate. Oh, there's some people throughout history that get quoted who believe that same stuff. I think it's pretty evident. If you don't believe me, leave your kid alone. Don't discipline them. Don't teach them anything and watch them become a little savage. Yeah, that sin will come right out of them. In fact, you see it even when you do discipline and teach them. It pops his head out every once in a while, doesn't it? In fact, it may do it to us. It may pop his head out there, and we have to smack it down, don't we? So this is the sight he gets us. Um, And as you can see, they've got the the, the, the picture of the, the, the young man washing the dad's feet there. Uh, Here's the video. And then they go into some explanation. You know, Jesus was using foot washing to emphasize a larger point, a symbol for all his followers to see how they should treat one another. Well, I agree with that. And what did he say? He said, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, you serve. you got to be the least. You serve one another. Remember what was going on, and we're going to read it in just a second, but what was going on when Jesus did this washing of the feet? It's the night before he goes to the cross. He's had the Passover with his disciples. He's pointed out who's going to betray him. and, And what goes on. While they're fighting over who's going to be greatest in the kingdom, who's going to sit at his right hand and his left hand and all this stuff, Jesus gets up quietly, walks over, gets a basin of water, gets a towel, starts washing feet. Because they didn't have a servant there. They didn't have the lowest guy on the totem pole to clean the disciples' feet. And here's their master coming and teaching them what they should do. You know, I've always said this when I've had businesses, if I worked in places for people and they moved me up where there were some people who took my direction or whatever— I always told those people, I said, I'll get in here and work with you. I'll do everything that you do. Sweep the floors, clean the bathrooms, pack the boxes, whatever it is. So if I ask you to do something to help out, just so we fill that gap and we get everything done, don't think I wouldn't do it myself. I would, In fact, I would do it and not even ask you to do it if I could do it, but I need help, right? Well, what is Jesus doing? Guys, I want you to follow my example. Serve one another. Love one another. We talked about that yesterday. In fact, we were in John chapter 15, weren't we? When we were talking about it. The, Today, we're going to go back just a couple of chapters into John chapter 13. And let's read what Jesus actually does here, okay? Because I want to take a couple of passages that they reference here uh, regarding what's going on, okay? And I'm doing this not so much for um, people in the audience who know better. I'm doing it for those who don't. That you just hear that and you go, wow, that was a great message. Yes, we should serve one another. And we should. We should serve one another and we should demonstrate that. That's, I, I think that's true. We're commanded to do so. But here was what we read in John chapter 13. And we're going to just kind of take this verse by verse. Before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should part depart out of this world unto the Father... Having loved his own, he didn't tell them he loved them, he loved them. He loved his own, which were in the world. And by the way, go to John chapter 17. He didn't pray that the Father would take them out of the world, all you people looking for a rapture and stuff. He didn't pray that they'd take them out of the world, but that he would keep them from the evil one. That's Jesus' prayer. Do you think Jesus' prayer is answered? Yep, I do too. And by the way, in that prayer, he was also praying for all those who would believe in their message, which means those of us today who believe the gospel message. Just just throwing that in there. That's free of charge, okay? Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him... Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things in his hand, and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper, laid aside his garments, and took a towel and girded himself. And that he poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. And then we have Peter again. Peter is... Open up your mouth and stick both feet and your hands inside of it. <laughs> Every time he talks, this is what happens. Then cometh he to Simon Peter. And Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? I mean, you got to catch this. Peter's the guy that when Jesus asked him, who do you say I am? He says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, man didn't teach you that. Wasn't well, flesh and blood that brought that about to your understanding. But my father... So Peter knew who Jesus was. He got it. He comprehended it in his noggin. And so Peter looks at the Christ, the Son of the living God, and he calls him Lord. And he says, are you going to wash my feet? This this should be backwards. This should be the other way around. It's kind of like John the Baptist. You want me to baptize you? I should be baptized by you. And I'm going to tell you, listen, this is how the awake man, the alive man, this is how the born-again man thinks. He knows he's unworthy of the goodness of God, and yet God gives it anyway. And that man loves his God. Why? Because his God loved him first. That's what we talked about yesterday. Exactly what we talked about yesterday. So when Peter asked Jesus, are you going to wash my feet? What does Jesus say? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. And Peter, wanting to argue, thinking he has the better argument, and Jesus doesn't know what he's doing here. Just like, you remember when Jesus said, you know, um, I'm, going, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, be flogged, uh, I'm, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise again. And Peter opens up his mouth again putting both feet in his hands inside, and he goes, May it never be, Lord. What does Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. You're not set on the things of God. You're set on the things of the earth. What are you doing? What are you thinking? I'm telling you the truth here. And he won't do that. So, Peter answers him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Ooh, that's pretty brazen, isn't it? Here is your master going to wash your feet. You should know he's going to teach you a lesson out of it because that's what he does with everything he does. Parables, miracles, he uses them as a springboard to teach a lesson. Thou shalt never wash my feet. Never say never, Peter. And listen to what Jesus says. He didn't say, Jesus, uh, Peter, you misunderstand. No, no, no. He says, if I wash thee not... Thou hast no part with me. You're not one of mine. You're not one of mine. And Simon gets it, or sort of. He saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands. Would you just pour the bucket of water, the basin of water over my head and give me a shower and a bath? That's what he's saying. I don't want just my feet. I want to be perfectly clean here. Not just my feet. Here's what Jesus said. And and I think this applies to to those of us who are believers now. He says, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean in every wit. And ye are clean but not all for he knew who should betray him therefore said he ye are not all clean and who's he talking about he's talking about Judas right cuz Judas is dirty in fact he's going to be even more dirty because the bible says that after this satan entered into him and he went and did the deed that he did which was betraying the son of god and so after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again He said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you. Now, this is is pretty important, okay? Listen to what he says. He doesn't say, you know, the way this is portrayed, nor the way this was portrayed to me as a young man in junior high school at a free will Baptist church. And by the way, they considered this, they so distorted this text, it was like, Uh, A Roman Catholic um, expounding on Matthew 16, where he talks about the rock and building his church, and, well, Peter was the first pope, and they kind of pull that whole thing out there and do it, or they go to the last table, and they say, this bread is my body, and they think the bread actually turns into a body, uh, and this is, you know... Some of the ideas of cannibalism is what it is. And the, the cup, the wine, is transformed into uh, wine. And they'll say, Jesus said the, the wine is his blood. It is his blood. I mean, they don't understand the metaphors that are being put forth there. And so they go into what, we, what they refer to as transubstantiation. And that is when you take the bread and when you take the wine, once it enters the body, it literally turns into this stuff flesh, and blood. It literally turns into that. Of course, this is where we get the term hocus-pocus, the transformation of these things. And we don't believe that. I don't think the Bible teaches that. Jesus certainly didn't say, hey, this bread's turning into my body. Hey, this cup is turning into my blood. That's not what he said. He did reference it as his body and his blood, But clearly, he's talking symbolically. Nothing in the Scripture says that anything happened to the elements that were given out to the disciples. So keep that in mind. The same thing happens here. Because people will see this, and then they want to make it an ordinance of the church. Or, in some cases, a sacrament, if you will. Like baptism or the Lord's table. And, of course, we've seen where the Roman Catholic Church has thrown, I think they've thrown in marriage there. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure that was the case. Marriage as, in, as a sacrament, as an ordinance of the church. So here's what he says, and pay close attention to what Jesus says about this, because we're going to bring this up in other passages uh, that we're going to look at this morning. He says, For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. And notice how he expounds on that. What is it that he had done to them? Well, he had washed their feet, but he had served them. He had served them. Remember, Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. Okay? So he says this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, or truly, truly, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. So he says, guys, you're not greater than me, and you're not greater than my Father. And then he says, if ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. And then he breaks it out here, I speak not of you all, I know whom I have chosen, but that the Scripture might be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me had lifted up his heel against me. He's talking about Judas. And I tell you before it come that when it is come to pass, ye may believe that I am he. And notice the he is in italics, you guys. This is your King James, by the way. I'm not a King James-only person. I use it just so I don't have to get into a bunch of stuff with people, okay? This is your King James. They have to add this italics word here so that you understand. Otherwise, he would say, believe that I am. Now, who's the I am? Oh, that's right. That's that's the one who delivered the people of Israel out there in Exodus. The one who who told uh, Moses, tell them that the uh, the I am, that I am, sent sent you. I'm the self-existing one. I am the living and true God. Yahweh. That's who I am. I am the I am. Not I was, will be, but I am. I'm always I am self-existing. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need the creation to exist. He that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me me receiveth him that sent me. And he goes on to some other things. So you get the idea of what's going on here. Jesus is teaching a lesson in the midst, and I, I could have backed up a little bit. In the midst of his disciples squabbling about who was going to get to sit on his right hand, his left hand, who was going to be greatest in the kingdom, and all this kind of stuff, Jesus gets up and he becomes the, the king of the kingdom. becomes the lowest servant in the kingdom for these bickering men. Imagine the irony here. The king of glory, the ruler of the nations, puts on flesh, comes and lives among men, and he's got a handful of bozos like us. Okay, let's just call it for what it is. Spiritually ignorant in many ways, men, and he picks up a basin, and he picks up a towel and washes their feet. And it's to teach them a lesson about serving one another, about what real love is. What, what what we talked about yesterday, it's demonstrated. It gets demonstrated in our actions. What we do for others demonstrates our love for them. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. This particular website goes through, and uh, if you if you ask me, and I don't know the people here, I probably could have. I don't know if you can... Yeah, you can pull up an About Us. All right. So let's, let's just do this. I did not do this. Um, so you're going to get it live right here where we're at. <clears throat> um, this is the About Us page on the hegetsus.com. This is the people who put out this, uh, this particular advertisement. Now, the story of Jesus, the world's greatest love story, get twisted in a tool to judge, harm, and divide us, or divide. How do we remind people that the story of Jesus belongs to everyone? These questions are the beating heart of He Gets Us. We hope to remind everyone, including ourselves, that Jesus' teachings are a warm embrace, not a cold shoulder. That He didn't let pro-this or anti-that opinions prohibit Him from seeing the value of all people. He Gets Us invites you to explore Jesus' story on your own terms and at your own pace. Our message isn't from a particular church, nor is it affiliated with any one denomination. Our campaign compromises, or excuse me, con- it does compromise, uh, comprises humble perspectives from a diverse group of Jesus fans and followers with a variety of faith journeys and lived experiences bound by a common desire to rediscover and share the compelling story of Jesus' life in a new way. Hmm. We will make mistakes, like anyone with a public message who sets out to share an idea. We won't always get it right. Expect us to be human. See, that's always the cover, isn't it? That's always the cover. The campaign exists to remind us of the example that Jesus set while inviting all to explore his teachings so we can all follow his example of confounding unconditional love because he gets us, all of us. Okay, so here's the thing. Does Jesus get us? Yep, he does. He knows exactly who we are. Um, One of the things, though... And while I agree, I want people to know the teachings of Jesus too and submit to them. I think that's a good thing. But when you go and you become, in, you become inclusive like this, then you've got a problem. And notice there's no talking of sin. This is the whole reason that Jesus came anyway, was because of our sin, our lawlessness, our violation of God's law. There's no talk of sin. No talk at all of that. So, here's the thing. Jesus experienced life just like you and I do. Except he had something else going on. He was without sin. Even though he was tempted in the wilderness, I don't think he could sin. By the way, this leads me into a point, I'm just going to drop this. This is like, I'm not going to focus on it, but this is dealing with things that we've talked about before where people have a hard time with me talking about the issue of free will. And what I mean by that is how our wills are bound to sin. And we need God to loose us and give us a new willer, if you will. (laughs) Tickle our willer and make it new to where we want to do what He wants us to do. But Jesus was without sin. Again, this, we're not told this on that page that, That I just read from you from that website. Maybe it's somewhere else, but it's not there. This is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Notice what it says For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Yet without sin. Was Jesus probably tempted to steal something? Yeah. Was Jesus tempted to be to to, to uh, bow down and be an idolater? Yep. Was he probably tempted with adultery? Yep. He was probably tempted with that. Was he tempted to to um, you know dishonor God in a lot of ways from the first table of the law? Yeah. He was probably tempted in all those areas, and yet he didn't submit to that temptation. That's what makes him unique and different from the rest of us. That's why he's called the second Adam. What did the first Adam do? He was was created in righteousness and holiness and placed in the garden and was without sin. And God told him there was only one law. You can pretty much eat whatever you want in this place except for that tree over there. That was one law. You can't eat from that one. What did he do? Followed his wife, wife right into that and the rest is history. We're all the remnant of Adam. We are all in him, and as a result of that, we are condemned to death. Thus, the need for the Christ. Not to wash our feet, but to wash and cleanse us in his own blood, because his blood is the only thing that's going to take away our sin. Okay? Alright. Now the passage they make mention of in this text is out of Matthew 23. So let's look and see what what they're referencing here. It says, verse 11, but he that is greatest among you shall be your servant and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Now that's the passage they quote. Now just, I'm just going to take you back here. Um, I don't know how I lost my page. I think I'm, ugh, that's not it. All right, let's go back up here. Maybe I grabbed it somewhere else. What in the world? Okay. <laughs> okay, let me scroll to the bottom. I'll just show you. Uh, they got the pictures. These are the passages that they're referencing. Now, I was already going to go to John 13 because that's where the foot washing happens. But I said, okay, let's see what they're doing here. Now, you guys know that we're sticklers for context. So let's look at the context of these two verses, okay, that they quote. Because this comes, we've been through Matthew 23, how many times, class? (laughs) A lot, right? And why do we do that? Because we've had to set up the context from Matthew 24, which everybody tells us is going on right now, which is not. It's not. It's clear It's going. it was going on in the first century. Absolutely clear because the context bears it out. So what's the context of this? Well, the context of this is Jesus in the, in the temple going off on the Pharisees. That's the context. Going off on the Pharisees. Now remember what the Pharisees are. The Pharisees are the guys <clears throat> who think they're right with God. They're the ones praying in the temple, Oh, Lord, aren't you glad I'm not like all these other sinners? Aren't you glad that I'm just such a great guy? I'm a lovable guy. I've got my big phylactery on my forehead and one on my hand, and, um, and, and I've got all my my, gar, my religious garb on, I'm sorry, I walked by that guy, that Samaritan guy who was, or that Jewish guy who was beaten and everything. I mean, but I had to get here and serve you, and if I'd have touched him, then I'd have probably had to go through some kind of ceremony to get clean, and and I'm sorry about that. But but I'm really a good guy, Lord. These are the guys he's he's addressing. So what is the importance of this context? Well, it's a very important when you understand that these guys don't even mention that when they reference the passage. Okay, so here's what it says. Let's just go here. Um let's start at verse ten, just right before it. Actually, uh let's just let's start here, okay? Let's just start back at the first. That way we get the full context. And Jesus spake to the multitude and to the disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. So he he's saying they're in the position of authority in Moses' seat. And if they tell you to do something, go ahead and do it. It's okay. And clearly that would be if it's not against the law of God. But if they're going to say, hey, don't walk this far on this. Just don't do it. You know, don't make an issue. But do not ye after their works. This isn't key. Listen to what he says. For they say and do not. For they say and do not. And we see this all over the scripture. James chapter 2 is a perfect example of that. You, you hear what a man says, he says he has faith, but then you look for his you look for the, the evidence of that faith in his deeds, and what do you find? Nothing. And then you look to the man whose deeds are demonstrating, and he pro- professes that faith, you know that it's a genuine, real, living faith. It's a saving faith. So he says, These Pharisees, they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born, and lay them on men's shoulders but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They want men to look at them as somehow spiritual. You know, really high up and, you know, boy, these people are really close to God. I want to be like them. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments They love the utmost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called of men rabbi, rabbi, teacher. They love to be called teacher. But be not ye called rabbi or rabbi. For one is your master, even Christ, and all your brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. I don't think he has a problem with people affectionately calling their dad dad. I don't think that's the issue. It's just when you when you're going to be instructed, you're going to go to the one Father that you have, our God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. So that's where they quote, you hear everything leading up, and then here's, see, again, this is what they miss. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, "...hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in." He goes on, "...woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! This is what you're doing. You devour a widow's houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves." Woe unto you, ye blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing, but whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. You're fools and blind for whether is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. And he goes on and he goes on, and Jesus just gives it to him. What is he confronting? Their hypocrisy, which is their sin. Saying one thing, doing another. He confronts their sin. And he's done calling them to repentance, by the way. Oh, yeah. He's done calling them to repentance. There's no more calling of repentance for these Pharisees. None. How do I know that? The end of that, uh, chapter 23. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. Why? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. This is this is the religious leaders he's just been woeing here. Okay? Thou that killest the prophets, and stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often, notice the language here. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Now notice the words that he used. He wasn't trying to gather these religious leaders. That's not what he was after. He says he wanted to gather their children The children of Jerusalem, he wanted to gather the people of Jerusalem who had been under the sway of, uh, how shall we say here, the the Jerusalem cabal that's going on, however you want to say it. He wants to get the children out. He wants to get the people of Jerusalem out from under their sway. And he says... Even as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Who was standing in the way? Who was constantly bringing the diversion? Who was constantly pulling the distractions? Who was the one trying to get Jesus in trouble all the time? It was the very guys he woed, right there. Very guys. That's what he did. Okay? So that's the context of that passage. The other one that we had was from Luke. And again, we'll go back here. Luke chapter 7, verses 37 to 50. Okay? So let's slide down here right quick, and let's see what he says. 37 to 50, this is quite long, but you guys, many of you are familiar with the story. Let's look and see what it says. But let's back up just a tad, okay, to get a context. So understand that Jesus is here with the publicans and the lawyers of the day, and he says unto them, Whereunto then shall I liken this is verse thirty one of Luke chapter seven, whereunto then shall I liken the men of this generation to what are they like? They're like unto children sitting in the marketplace, calling to one another and saying, We have piped unto you and ye have not danced, we have mourned to you, and ye have not wept. For John the Baptist came neither eating or drinking wine, and ye say ye hath the devil. And the Son of Man is come eating and drinking, and ye say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. And then he says this, But wisdom is justified of all our children. Is he talking about salvation when he uses the word justified? No, but I know a lot of people out there, as soon as you say justified, they go, oh, you're talking about works? We're not justified by works? No, we're not. But what he's talking about is wisdom being justified. In other words, when wisdom is put into action, when it's put, as the old preacher said, into that shoe leather, it it justifies itself by demonstrating that it is wise. And he says it's justified of all our children. What that what that wisdom is poured into and how it's brought out in others is justified that the person who gave it was wise, and that it was wise counsel that was being embraced and being performed. And so he says this, and one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house. He didn't have a problem with that. See, I, I don't understand this with people when they say, Well, you're you're gonna you're gonna speak in an event that this guy's gonna speak at too. Yeah, okay, so. Is that going to change my message? It didn't for Jesus. He went, he went to the Pharisee's house. He obviously was hanging out with gluttons and wine-bibbers. He was hanging out with some of those guys to give them the message. We know he went to Zacchaeus' house, the publican. We saw the salvation of the Lord there. Why? What? Because Zacchaeus did exactly what the law demanded. He realized that he was the thief... And he wanted to make it right. And he says, I'm going to pay him back four times what I took from him. I don't know how he, he must have been making out like a fat cat. But nevertheless, Jesus turns and he goes, today salvation's come to this house. So what do we read here? He went to the Pharisee's house, sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat in meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. And when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner." Oh, how we love to do that, don't we? Here's a woman that's broken. She has this alabaster box of ointment. Uh, many people have said it probably took a year to work to purchase this ointment. I. She must have been making bank there, okay? She brings it. She's in tears behind him. She's in here. She's got to know she's in a house with these, with these Pharisees who are just burning a hole through every part of her body, staring at her. What is this sinful lady doing in here? She's a sinner. Don't doesn't he know what kind of guy he is? This guy can't be a prophet or he would know better. Verse 40. And Jesus answered and saying unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee, and he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed five hundred pence, and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? And Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. Hmm. Keep that in mind. That's part of the story. Forgiveness. In the washing the feet thing, there's no forgiveness because there's no talk of sin. The very thing that keeps us from doing this service out of love. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head. I mean, here's the guys who are supposed to be his buddies and his friend. They didn't wash his feet. They didn't give him the customary, you know, kiss. You see it, they kissed each other on the cheek, right? That's what Paul means when he means a holy kiss. That's a Middle Eastern custom. We do shaking hands. I'm I'm comfortable with shaking hands, okay? I probably would take the kiss on the cheek from somebody who's from that area, and I wouldn't make a big scene about it. But this is how they did. It was affectionate. It was to welcome them into their home or to greet them. And here's this woman coming in, and he's told this thing about the guys owing debts. And by the way, we're going to run out of time. I'm going to hold over just for a little bit. Okay, we're going to play another video here, and I'm going to hit a couple of more passages. So if you want to catch that, sonsoflibertymedia.com, beforeitsnews.com, top of the page there, and also uh, Rumble, Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Probably be with you at three, or we'll have an educational video up on sonsoflibertymedia.com. And then, Lord willing, I'm going to be back with you in the morning. Right and early. Pray for me. I'm pray with me. I got two interviews uh, I got to do today too. All right. So want to welcome everybody coming over. And yes, I do have two more interviews today. So I've got to be a busy bee. And I still have floor to lay. And we've had rainy days except for the last couple of days, which are sunny. And unfortunately, I did not have everything up to where I can get up there and do what I need to do. So I've got floors to lay too. So it's just still, it's just a mess. Anyway, back to the subject matter. He says, "My head." With oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, watch this, watch, see, this is key, this is what they leave out, because they want the warm, goosebump, feely stuff, okay? Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, (laughs) I mean, he makes it a point, she's really bad, she's been a really bad girl, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, For she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? I mean, these are the same cats who were probably in the house with the guy who couldn't walk that his friends tore up the roof and let him in. And Jesus said, Your sins are forgiven. They are like, Who? Only God has power to forgive sins. And Jesus is like, I know what you guys are thinking over there. Which one's harder for me to say that or to say, Get up and walk? Okay, let me show you. Get up and walk, guy. Get your bed. Get out of here. And he does it. And he does that so that what can be seen, they can believe, and what can't be seen, they should believe as well. And Jesus ends with this, and he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee, go in peace. Thy faith has saved thee, go in peace. Now again, what did we see in this video? This is being put out to the whole world in in a Super Bowl. I'm sure they're probably running the ad. They paid a lot of money, they might as well run it. Um, a bunch of times after that too. Nevertheless, they put in here this serve. Now I don't I don't seek to figure out the intents, their heart or any of that other stuff for this from this group. He gets us, okay. My guess is if we started doing a deep dive, we're going to find out there's some problems of the people behind it. That's just my guess. I haven't done that, but that's that's my guess. the thing they leave out is the gospel. The gospel message is not serve. It's not. The gospel message is to call people to repentance from their sin, faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, and to follow after Him and to obey all that He commanded. That's what the gospel message is. 1 Corinthians 15, first few verses there. Uh, Go to Matthew uh, 18, 19, 20. You'll see that that's how the message is carried. And it it encompasses all of the whole counsel of God. Those are the simple things. The expounding of that goes back to the Old Testament and into the New Testament as well. Okay? So here's the stuff. So let's go. Let's go to what's going on here. What the real message is is. So let's go to John chapter 8. Because what were we told in this video? What were we told in the video? Jesus didn't teach hate, he washed feet. Now, is that a true statement? Yes. Except for the hating part. He did teach us to hate sin, did he not? Yep, that's what he taught us to hate. But he didn't teach us to hate others. He taught us to love others, even our enemies. I mean, he tells us that we have to, that we were to do that. If we're going to follow him, this is what we got to do. That does not mean we excuse sin at all. Okay? So we read here in John chapter 8, one of everybody's favorite passages when you start talking about sin, especially their sin, they go right here. They, they don't know the context, but they go right here. John chapter 8. Jesus went into the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was called in adultery, in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? Now understand, Jesus is the creator of all things, he's the ruler of the nations, all of that, but he is not in a position, earthly, at this time, of being one in authority who would rule on this matter. Okay? So he doesn't say anything. The other part is Deuteronomy 22, and I didn't pull this up, but if you want to read it, you can read it. It deals with all of these different um, violations of the law um, sexually. It deals with a man who catches a woman who's betrothed, and he lies with her, and what the consequences are. He catches a woman who's been married, and, uh, and it also talks about her screaming out um, and her not screaming out, what the consequences of that is. And that's why, i got to tell you, that's why I have a hard time, some of this, with this, you know, waiting decades for ladies to come out uh, accusing people of raping them. And this and Maybe they did, but I'm just saying, this should have been an immediate thing. And for some of them, it was. Like in the Bill Cosby case, some of that was going on back then, and people wouldn't listen. So I can deal with that a little different than I can other people who haven't said a word, and then all of a sudden they pop out saying this stuff about others. And I go back to Deuteronomy 22. And then we have in Deuteronomy 22 also uh, the two who are not married, but they come together, and then they're found out. What happens? Well, then the guy's got to, that, that young man's got to pay the bride price to the dad, and, um, and he's got to marry that woman, and not, he's not able to divorce her. So all that's found in Deuteronomy 22. But the thing is about adultery is is that if a woman was actually married to a man or she was betrothed to him, which was almost, I mean, it was just as serious as actually going through the consummation and everything. That was the only thing missing was the consummation and the ceremony. Um, Their engagements or their betrothals were a lot more serious than ours. And so notice what they say. Deuteronomy 22 says that when they're both found out, both of them, are to be put to death. The man and the woman. Okay. So what do they have here? Notice the stage that's set. They've already violated the procedures of the law. They bring the woman, they say she was caught in the act, so they saw the guy she was with, right? I mean, that's not a stretch. They they knew the guy he was with. It's probably and, and more than likely it's one of their buddies or it's one of them. Maybe all of them were with her, and then to get rid of her, they were going to take the legal system to get rid of her. I don't know. We're not told all that, but we are told they they say they caught her in the act, which means she was with the man. Where's the guy? Or is he among them? I don't, maybe he's among them. We're not really told. So Jesus knew they were going to tempt him. They said, this they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. Now, I'm not going to get into speculation as to what he wrote on the ground. I don't know. People said names. People said the law. All this stuff. We're not told, so let's not speculate. He's just, he's not saying anything. He's just doing a stick or his finger in the ground. That's all he's doing. He's giving it a moment to kind of simmer, if you will. and they are not happy because they're not getting an answer. That's why they brought this lady to him because they want an answer to catch him, catch him in his words. That's what they wanted to do. So they continued asking him. He lifted himself up and said unto them, "He that is without sin among you, let him cast. Let him first cast a stone at her." So that's all he said. He was quiet up until that point, and i I watched a little thing. It was two or three minutes long. It was, I thought it was actually pretty good, except for the first part where they were using some language out of uh, the show, I guess this guy um, accent or whatever. but he was talking about a dangerous man. And he said, the dangerous man is not the guy who is always telling you a bunch of stuff, but he's the guy who's kind of quiet. He listens. he looks around, he pays attention. He's assessing what's said. He's assessing assessing what's done, who's around, all this kind of stuff. And he's a guy that when he goes to act, he's not going to stop acting in a righteous fashion. And I I think that's exactly right. And Jesus is doing this. He's quiet. He's making them sweat it out a little bit. And then he goes, he that's without sin among you. Not who, who didn't wash somebody's feet. He who didn't uncover the latest conspiracy theory, he who, name your thing there, he who's without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. You want to carry out the law? You do it lawfully. You do it lawfully. Did the Bible call for a death penalty? Yep, called for it for the man and the woman. These guys weren't keeping the law. That's their problem. They weren't keeping it themselves for themselves, and they weren't keeping it towards others either. They were being tyrants. They were lording it of the people. But notice what he says. he stooped down, wrote on the ground. This is after he told them this. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even until the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And you can see this picture. Woman probably doesn't have any clothes on. She might have grabbed a sheet or something or maybe a robe or something and threw it on. or They put something on her to bring out. They could have brought her out naked. I don't think that's probably what they did, but she's embarrassed. Rightly so. But she sinned. And now it's just her and Jesus. All these men that had accused her have left. And when Jesus had lifted himself up and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman? Were are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, no, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Is that where he stops? No. Nope. Go and sin no more. Stop sinning. Do you see the situation this brings for you? You're, you're on the precipice of death here. These men wanted to stone you. Stop doing what's bringing you to destruction. Stop sinning. That's what he tells her. He doesn't tell her his sin was okay, does he? Oh, don't worry about it. It's all forgiven. That's not what he says. He tells her to stop sinning. And Jesus spake unto them, saying, these are those who are around who saw the scene, I am the light of the world, He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And then he goes on talking about who he is, because the Pharisees want to challenge that too. (laughs) Ah, yeah. And he talks about his judgment, and he talks about his Father, and he talks about the testimony that the Father bears of him. He doesn't have to bear himself, his father bears witness of that. Jesus looked at the rich young ruler. We talked about this yesterday as well. Mark chapter 10, verse 21. And beholding him, loved him. How did Jesus love this this guy who was trying to justify himself as though he kept the law of his life? Well, he told him the truth. He He put his finger, Jesus put his finger on the one area the young man was unwilling to give up. He may have kept all externally, all of the law externally, kind of like what Paul did. The covetous one is is the one that got him, though, just like Paul did. How do I know that? Because Jesus put his finger on that. One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell, sell, sell whatsoever their house, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. Jesus put his finger on what his sin was. His sin was just covetousness. He had stuff. In fact, he's told we're told he was a rich young man. And he says, that's the stuff that's in your way. You want eternal life? Get rid of that stuff. Give it to the give what give your proceeds to the poor. Come follow me. I'll teach you. I'll show you. I'll show you the way to the Father. But you gotta get rid of the in the way. That was his sin. Now, one of the things that he gets us.com. References is 1 Corinthians six eleven. We've talked about this before. Such were some of you. Okay? Such were some of you. But notice what it comes in the midst of the people's sins. Verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Isn't that what he said? Is that the practice of your life, friend? Is the practice and conduct of your life, are you known for this? Fornicating, idolatry, being an adulterer, effeminate, abuser of yourself with mankind, that's a sodomite, nor thieves, are you you a covetous person, are you a drunkard, are you a viler, are you an extortioner? If that's the practice of your life, you don't have any inheritance in the kingdom of God, and you can go wash feet all you want to, you're not going to get in the kingdom of God. You have to come to Him on His terms, and His terms is not foot washing, it's Repentance. Repentance towards God, faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Turn away from your sin. Quit sinning. That's the message that should have been there. We're going to get to that in just a second. I think you'll like what I'm going to show you. Verse 11. And such were some of you. See that? Such were some of you. Some of the people in the Corinthian church were fornicators. Fornicators. They'd been idolaters, they'd been adulterers, they'd been effeminate, they'd been uh, sodomites, they'd been thieves, they'd been covetous, they'd been drunkards, they'd been revilers, they'd been extortioners, and they'd been a whole host of other things. I've told you, I think if you read 1 Corinthians 11, you'll see gender bending. I I think that's what was going on. Nothing new under the sun, and such were some of you. But what happened? Did you get your feet washed? Is that what made the difference? No, but you were washed. (laughs) You were washed in what? The blood of Christ. But you're sanctified. That means you're set apart. You're holy. That's what holy means. It means set apart, sanctified. But you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. How many of you guys can say that? Amen. Come on. It's okay. You can say it. Amen. Amen. That's what the Lord did for me, too. And He does it for all those who are His. We were these things. We don't glory in those things. In fact, many of us are ashamed of those things. That we did. But we were washed. We were sanctified. And we were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. We didn't have our feet bathed. We had our soul washed. Psalm 51. We read on that a little bit on Sunday where David cries out to God to create in him a clean heart, to beat the dirt out of him, the sinful dirt out of him, renew him in his spirit and in a right mind. That's what he calls for. It's really interesting. And again, our high priest, the Lord Jesus... He knows what we feel. He knows what we experience. He experienced it too. Experienced all the temptations to the max, just like we. And yet, he's without sin. He is without sin. Do you see the theme here that's different than that which we watched on the foot washing video even what you'll read in here because the idea when they when they talk about when he says love your neighbor, right? It's almost like what they're doing. And Jesus didn't teach hate. And, and there's some true things that they say in here. Okay? But they're leaving out important things about sin. At least that's what I see. I read through this, I don't see any of it. They have a lot of good things to say, I'm not saying they don't But when you leave out the centrality of the Savior, of why he came, you're missing the point. You're putting the cart in front of the horse. You're saying, go do the things Jesus said without dealing with your sin first. You can't do it. That's what the Pharisees were doing. They are trying to do what God said, but they didn't have the empowerment of his spirit. They were still in their sins. They were still in unbelief. There's one guy, uh, he has made a video... It's a short one, too. It's only about, um, I think it's about a minute or so. And, um, you know, I don't know what people think about some of these people, and frankly, I don't care. Uh, that's that's not the issue. But I will tell you that some of these people, I've looked into their story, and they they have had changed lives. Do they still got some stuff they, that needs to be cleaned up and stuff? Yeah, but you see that all throughout sure, don't you? Yeah, there's an initial transformation, and then as people live, they're living a life that is constantly, they're being sanctified. There's things that are going out. Why would Paul tell us to mortify the deeds of the flesh if they're not there um, after we've come to faith in Christ? They are there. We've been given power to overcome it. And that's what some people don't understand. When you talk about these things, they go, no, nah. no. You're gonna you're, you're gonna tell me I have to do works. I'm not gonna tell you you have to do anything. I'm telling you a live man or woman wants to do the works. Why? Because of the work that God has wrought in their heart. That is the result of His work. That is not to get Him to do something. That is your response to His work in your heart. So this one is a um, it's a it's a pastor's response to the Super Bowl ad, and I, I thought it was great. He brought up people who came out of all kinds of backgrounds where they're just trapped in sin. Now, I don't know any of these people personally. I've read some of their stories. This one lady here, uh, you'll see her here, Kat Von D. Uh, she was a witch. She was. A, she's. I think she still is a tattoo artist. I'm not sure. I think she does music too. I'm not sure. Um, but probably the last four or five years, she's been dealing with this quietly. Um. You know, in her Bible, I think it was, what, last year she got baptized, so that's what you're seeing here. Um, that, there are things I see where I know the Lord's going to work in that, in that lady's life, but there's transformation. That's what I want you to see. So I'm going to play this. The music is a little loud. I may have to turn it down. It's just got this, oh, it's really loud. But you'll see all these people, and this is what this guy said, this is what probably should have been put on an ad. I, I wonder if we could get some Christian businessmen to come together, pour together a few million dollars and actually put a gospel advertisement in a Super Bowl. How would you like to see that? I'd like to see that. I've got some guys who do that kind of thing. Maybe we could get them one year just to say, hey, why don't why don't you take that money? Let's see if we can pop one in, a really gospel centered advertisement in the middle of the Super Bowl. I think it'd be kind of cool. Anyway, this is the video. Check it out. Hold on. eh uh, I do want to play the music, I'm I'm not trying to, to keep away from that, but I did try to get the video up here, and I muted it in the browser, so here we go. you say what do you say to transform lives by the power of the gospel that foolish thing that preachers do that people mock them for and they laugh at them and they point fingers and then you see people like you just saw bound up in all kinds of the slavery of sin and Jesus loosed the shackles, sets them free, and they demonstrate it in their lives. That's that's the Jesus. That's the real Jesus I know. That's the real Jesus I know. Is that the Jesus you know? Or is he the one that wants you washing feet? Now, he does want you to serve others. That's true. But you got to you got to get it in the right... What's the word I'm looking for? Chronology here. you got to deal with sin first before you start doing the things that you're supposed to do. And there's only one way to deal with that, and that is in the gospel that drives men to the cross through the law to show them their sin, the need for a Savior, to which they can look to the cross and they can look to the Christ, and we leave men there. Oh, you leave men there? Yeah, because I can't change the heart, and I can't give life. Only Christ can do that. And if men are not doing that, if they're not driving people to the Christ and diagnosing the people's sin, how will they ever know of a Savior? Isn't this what Paul says in the book of Romans? They got to believe, but how are they going to believe if they don't hear, and how they're going to hear if they don't have a preacher? Somebody's got to tell them. I'll leave you with this: I had a my dad was an associate pastor in Belmont, North Carolina, uh, for many years um, at a church called Catawba Heights Baptist Church. We used to call it Catawatta <laughs> just to have some fun with it. But he was there, and uh, the guy who was a pastor. Um, Max Pendleton. Um, he went on a mission trip, but I forget where he said he went to. It was somewhere very remote. They, had, they still had villages and huts and things. And you'd have to take journeys through the jungle in order to get to the people. And one of the things that was most interesting, one of the most interesting stories that he told was he said, I came up on this guy and I started sharing with him the gospel message. And I got done and he goes, you know what? He said... I know about God, and I knew he had a son, but I didn't know his name. Now, I don't know how this guy knew that, but he did. And he gave him the message, and that guy willingly embraced it. Willingly embraced it right there. (laughs) Again, it seems that our culture, when it comes to the commands of Christ, the law of God and all that, it's kind of this you know, 10 miles wide, an inch deep kind of stuff. It kind of stirs your emotions a little bit whenever they talk about Jesus or something like that. But it doesn't change the heart. It leaves men in their sin. They think they're cleansed from sin because they had goosebumps and they felt good and they heard something about Jesus, but they remain in their sin. Do I think you have to be nasty with people and go, you're a sinner, you're dirty, you're going to hell? Do I think you have to be nasty? No, I don't think you have to be nasty with people. But I think you do have to be truthful and honest with them. And that's one thing Jesus was. And I showed you that. The woman at the well, the woman who was giving the, um, <clears throat> the oil on his head, kissing his feet, uh, you know, washing them with her tears, drying them with her hair. Uh, the guy who was the rich unruly. Really, ruler, he was honest. He was truthful with him. He showed them the way. Some wanted to believe it and follow that way. Others didn't want to. Where are you at, friend? Are you content with some emotional appeal that God loves you and has saved you, and yet you continue on in sin? Don't deceive yourself. Don't deceive yourself in that. Repent. Repent. Repent towards God. Faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. You really will. Guys, I hope it's been helpful. Um, <clears throat> many of you out there, I know you probably are going, yep, yep, I'm right there with you, Tim. I, I agree with that. That's what I was thinking. That's These are things I was saying. But there's a lot of people who aren't. And I hope that in putting this out, maybe there's some people who are without Christ, and they see this and they go, well, why didn't they tell me this and the other? I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. Because they don't know it. They don't know it, or that would have been the first thing they put out. It would have looked something like what this guy did. Maybe not exactly. It would look something like this. Peter warns about false teachers. Second Peter chapter two. <laughs> and in that he says, They promise them liberty while they themselves are the slaves of corruption. Keep that in mind. This is why men don't want to talk. They never want to talk about sin or how to deal with it. Because they don't want to come into the light lest their evil deeds be exposed. To Bradley, will be with you at three, and then, Lord willing, we'll be back with you in the morning. Uh, pray with me. I got uh, two interviews today. One's going to be with Kirk Elliott. I don't know if we're going to play that tomorrow, or Monday, Lord willing, and then we're also having a couple of people to come on to talk about some experiences they've had. I believe this deals with uh, with the shots and stuff. So one one way or the other, we'll have a show tomorrow. That'll be a pre-record, and then Monday, Lord willing, that'll be a pre-record. But we'll get some of these. Well. The one I do with Kirk, I usually do part of it live, and then I play our interview. So pray with me that uh, they'll go well, that God would be honored in the things that we talk about. And uh, Lord of we'll see you back here in the morning, 6 a.m. Talk to you then.